welcome to another Remarkable Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and today we're joined by May Nugent. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me. Thank you, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. For the listeners out there who don't know who you are, can you briefly introduce yourself? Uh, of course. Well, I'm often referred as Dr. Love, but that's another conversation for another day. I'm an IT manager for a software company. I work in Manhattan, and I manage internal IT operations, just internally for our company. Interesting. So tell me a bit about your background and how you got into IT. Yeah, so I think this is one of those stories where some people can relate where they say, oh, I went to school and I ended up didn't do what uh, I did out of school. I didn't start out in IT. Uh, I went to college for mechanical engineering because I have an interest in machinery and in technology in general. It was also probably at the time I, w- I barely s- spoke any English, so I didn't really know what major in college that would fit me. So I just picked, you know, which the name that could really, I could really understand, you know, mechanical engineering because I like, you know, machinery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then I, you know, went through college and I suffered a bad boy's faith and I got lazy and didn't go through with it. Uh, it wasn't until I started to build my very first own computer that I knew that I have a thing for computer technologies. So I went back to school to get a network communication and management degree and my IT career just took off from there. Interesting. So you actually built your own computer first, and then that's how you knew. Like, how did that kind of happen? And then how did that get you back into the motivation to go back to get your degree in IT? Well, it's all started from gaming. Mm -hmm. I love gaming and to be able to build your own computer and then being able to play your game. it's, It's awesome. And back in the days, building your own computer was the thing to do when you're a gamer because just buying out of the box is expensive mm-hmm. and you don't get the specs you want. So just understanding how the computer works and the components and being able to put it together, that gave me you know, a really good interest in how everything works behind the scene and how to learn how to troubleshoot things myself as well. When you start doing things yourself, you're going to start learning how to troubleshoot it. Mm. And then I realized that, hey, I'm actually good at this stuff. Nice, nice. And that's where you went back to get your degree. So then from that point on, did you face any hardships or obstacles when you were getting into IT for real? Or was it just smooth sailing after you graduated? It definitely wasn't smooth sailing after I graduated, but getting into it wasn't an issue at all for me. So, you know, once I realized that's what I wanted to do, then I just looked for a good school and sign up and try to study mm-hmm. and get my degree from there. Aside from that, just getting my career started, it wasn't really smooth because, you know, getting out of school uh, with very little experience was the actual real issue because in IT, you actually have to know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, then nobody's going to call you and ask you a question and you don't know the answer and they're not going to hire you. Mm-hmm. So I guess um, that was the obstacle for me. And uh, I went to a lot of interviews after I graduated. I used to live in South Jersey where there were no jobs. So I had to travel like roughly 80 miles plus uh, north to be able to get an interview. And I just interviewed a lot of, with a lot of different companies uh, up in the same area. Mm-hmm. I took the first job that was offered me as an associate helped us. Mm-hmm. I made no money after my commute cost because, you know, traveling gas and all that stuff at the time, gas was super expensive and stuff. But I took it out for almost three years to learn and to get all the experience. You know, I spend an average of three and a half hours each day driving just from and to work. And most days are just 13 hours plus days for me. The only smooth part was that I got to learn a lot and I kept growing. I was working for an MSP. It stands for Managed Service Provider that provides IT services for small businesses. I think I got lucky with it because this type of job puts me in many positions and put me in a very different environments that enable me to learn more. I can explain a little bit about what I'm doing now and versus managed service provider. Because 
if you ha- hire an MSP to uh, manage your IT, it means that most of the time you don't have any internal IT, mm-hmm. or you maybe you just have someone that's like you know a little bit on a lower level where it just help desk. But managed service provider is supposed to provide all IT services for you, where they provide you with software, they manage your software licensings and all that things and stuff like that. But particularly for me, you know, it's different. I manage is actually in the internal IT itself, so I don't really use、uh, an MSP at all. That definitely sounds like commitment from your part, especially trying to get the job and then getting your internship and then building up from there. What was kind of your day-to-day responsibilities like back then? Well, back then we first, you know, just help desk first start out as as, as help desk and basically picking up calls.、Uh, I, hey, I have an issue with my computer. Just like any in particular, what people sees IT in our day. If you say you're an IT guy, they expect you know how to fix their computer.、Mm-hmm. Or hey, you know, I can't launch my Microsoft Office. Like, what do I do? Can you fix it? That kind of stuff when you start out. But then you have to branch out into different areas of IT, and obviously your responsibility grow as your career progress. So as a manager, I'm pretty much the go-to IT person for all IT-related issues. I manage IT procedures and processes, corporate applications, accounts and access, internal network and security,、uh, help desk. All technology-related stuff that's within the office is basically under my responsibility as well. Like you know, you're talking about what meeting room technology are we going to use? Determining whether we should use Hangout Meets or Zoom or you know other software, WebEx. Like how do we determine what's the best for our company to use? That sort of stuff. That's definitely a lot to carry on your shoulders. What would you say would be the hardest things that you have to do nowadays as an IT manager? I'm gonna just speak in a broad way. That I think there's a lot of common things and challenges that most IT organizations encounter,、mm-hmm. and there are challenges that all of us definitely encounter and have to deal with. And the hardest thing is to be consistent with the demands by our user, making the right decision for the bigger picture rather than one small group and getting everyone else to be on board with it is difficult. There will always be someone who wants to break the rules, and how to go about that is very challenging because you don't want to upset people. While we want to provide the best services, we won't make everyone happy, and that's just the reality of it.、Mm-hmm. To me, that's hard, but it's not impossible. Personally, I think the hardest thing for me in a job is that I had to do was disable a user account when a close friend or friends got let go or something like that. I do my job, but at the same time, it's never a good feeling when someone gets let go, you know, unless something happened or they deserve to let go or something like that. And I think that that for me is is hard, but I still have to do because it's part of my job to see people get let go and stuff like that. And in terms of technical stuff, there are challenges out there that all IT organizations have to face. You know, keeping up with being secured and maintain the efficiency and operations within a company is always a challenge.、Mm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense, and I feel like the IT job itself is a very professional one, so I can definitely relate to you there. Regarding your job history and your experiences, do you have any interesting stories you can share? There's definitely lots of stories. I mean, there there's so many stories without my career, but you know, a good one would be discovering someone who has naughty pictures on their computer by accident while troubleshooting their computer. I remember how embarrassing it was for that user, and just straight up lied to me and say, "I have no idea what these pictures, how these pictures got here. Oh my God, can you delete them?" <laughs> you know, I mean, I was just dying inside. But a good thing about me is that when I work,、uh, I can always keep up a straight face and stay very professional and go along with it. And you know, and I just do my job. But those are some of the things that just surprises me. But at the same time, you think about it, it's not very surprising.、Mm. 
some people just don't realize, hey, this is your work laptop. You shouldn't be doing that, you know? Oh, this is crazy, but do you think 112 Chrome tabs is a lot? Because that person actually told me, or a different person that actually told me that all those Chrome tabs are needed and important to open. To me, it's like 112 Chrome tabs. That is completely unnecessarily, but like that's the most I've ever seen in my entire career. I think in every profession, we always see people who are just trying to test the limits in a sense, right? Like 112 Chrome tabs. I mean, I myself open a lot of Chrome tabs, but that number is insane. And I wonder how the guy deals with it if his computer ever gets frozen or crashes. He just loses all those tabs then. Exactly. Chrome keeps the history. And that's how I found out how many tabs that person had opened because, you know, it was slow. Mm. You can't tell an IT guy why my computer is so slow when you have 112 Chrome tabs open. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Yeah. And I presented the issue, but, and then the person come back and tell me that, well, I need all of them. They're all important to me. Gotcha. So you get stuck at that point where you're going to have to break the news to them and say, there's limitations in software and hardware. Exactly. And I think in IT and also in work in general, a lot of people, especially employees, they need to know the differentiation between what you can do on your work laptop versus what you can do on your personal laptop. And I feel like just like what you mentioned before about having a lot of these naughty pictures on their machines, they need to kind of handle that better themselves and make sure not to browse such things. I remember I worked at a media company once and there was this whole thing because it's a media company and the journalists need to do their own investigation and they were covering a topic on the dark web. And literally we had a whole IT and legal team to ensure that if somehow they downloaded something illegal, that they like follow proper procedures and don't go to jail. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. And that's also like with my point to answer your question before that is that that's one of the challenges is that you have to work with the end user. And, you know, when you work with machinery and you work with application, there's always a, a solution, right? If there's a bug, you find a bug and you fix it. And if there's an error, you find out what the error is. You try to troubleshoot the error and find out what caused it and then you fix it. But when you're dealing with the end user, everyone is different. And the way they see the issue and the way they approach the issue is also different. And how they trigger is another thing. I think being able to deliver a good service, then you have to understand how to approach the end user and what's the best method to provide the service and the solution to end user. Because this person might be you know, not easy to work with, but don't have a lot of time. So you have to work around their schedule, for say, mm -hmm. to be able to provide the service. And I think you totally make a good point here. I feel like Many people think that IT is just dealing with machines or servers or infrastructure, but IT definitely deals with the human element. And I think the human element being the most unpredictable one is the one that you probably have the most headaches or the most issues dealing with. I agree. I 100% agree. And it's definitely not just machinery. It's because the fact that you have to support the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. The machine and the application comes with it. So it's a combo that you have to deal with. Makes sense. So transitioning from that, how do you think IT has changed today? I think there can be many answers to this question, but in my personal opinion, the core of it is obviously not going to change. Uh, you're going to deal with computer issues, software issues, and security-related issues, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to deal with networking issues. So that's always going to be around. What really changes is how we approach these problems, and we're constantly being challenged with what is the most efficient, cost-effective, and the best way to solve a problem. And it always depends on the organization you work for, whether it's a fast pace or slow pace. 
then that will dictate how you want to scale your project with the limited resources you have. It's always changing and you're going to always have to stay on the top of it to give the best IT services and to operate in the most efficient and optimum way that you can. That's interesting. So could you dive in a bit deeper about like the differences between how IT is different between a fast place or slow place? Right. So a fast-paced environment is usually, I would say, from a startup point of view, mm, right? Yeah. A startup point of view is constantly changing. And, you know, you and I have worked at startups and we know that how things can change, how fast can change. And that's a fast-paced environment. So today we have a lot of money because we have investors, but tomorrow they can be like, oh, you know, we're not hitting our goals and we don't have a lot of money anymore. What can we do to cut, to reduce the cost without damaging, you know, the level of services that we have now? So when you work with a particular company on a fast-paced company, you have to not only scale out, but you also have a contingency plan, a more strict plan to be able to scale back. And then you have to also look at like the cost, is it worth it, the investment that you put in? What if it changes in the future? That sort of stuff. And the scaling for a fast-paced environment is very different as well because it's more unpredictable. It can have a very fast growth or it can just stop. It's a little bit more unpredictable than a slow-paced environment. A slow-paced environment is basically an already established company that has structures in place and everything where you have policy, procedure, guidelines already set up for you. That sort of stuff is already established. And you go in there and you could continue to work on it and see how you can improve things rather than building out new things and scaling out new things, that sort of stuff. Gotcha. So it's like the, literally the difference between small companies versus large companies or building things from the ground up versus improving already existing and working processes. Right, exactly. So then regarding IT as an industry, what are your predictions of where IT is heading in the future? IT is no longer what some people think it's like, oh, I have a computer issue. Can you fix it? You know, mm -hmm. in general, for most people that's not familiar with the term IT and they just assuming that that's the case. Now, we have computer manufacturers that will fix these things now under warranty. You have an Apple laptop that you have a problem. You're not going to sit there and fix the Apple laptop anymore. You just ship it back. They fix it and they, they ship it back to you. How do you take care of that time during that time where the laptop's gone? You have to spare right? Mm -hmm. You have a spare machine, for example. The future of IT is very focused on security and operation, uh, at least in my opinion. Stay on top of security and keep moving with the new technology offering, like cloud computing, less hardware support, but more software. Um, a simple example would be like the work from home culture and having virtual meeting, etc. As you can see, we're shifting from how to support people remotely and how to get people to be able to work remotely and work efficiently and deliver the help that they need rather than, you know, you're in the office and you're sitting next to someone and they're working on a computer, that stuff like that. The future is the cloud and a lot of software. And when you have dealing with a lot of software, you're dealing with a lot of security issues, you're dealing with access and all that stuff. Security is the, I think it's the, the number one concern and always a challenge for IT. And that's where our focus is going to be very heavily on it. It's not just like hardware anymore that we have to worry about a computer or stuff like that. Definitely, definitely. I feel like, you know, with the speed of virtualization, it's definitely going from a physical and in-person space to now a more cloud transition. And I feel like it's just going to accelerate that even more. I agree. I agree. Sweet. So for those who are interested in getting into IT, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, I will tell them that if they like 
if they like it, go to school, learn as much as they can, get their foot in the door first. Don't be picky about what jobs you got or how much you're being paid, that sort of stuff. Ultimately, it's the experience that you need that will put you where you want to be. Take myself for example. I started out with a very low end job. I literally crawl under the desk to dust the computer. I literally open a computer, spray dust, and sniff dust of my face all the time. I was working from the very bottom of just cleaning computer. But then, how you proceed with that is entirely up to you. If you're interested in IT, you have to start learning as much as you can because that's gonna open up a door for you where it's gonna open up. Um, more opportunities, and there's a whole world out there that there's so many different areas that you can go into. You know, IT in terms of like networking. You want to be in networking. You want to be super good at help desk, or you want to be planning out things, procedure,、uh, processes, and stuff like that. So there's many ways of of、uh, how someone can go into IT. But the first thing is go to school and、uh, learn as much as you can.、Mm-hmm. That's definitely sound advice. I do want to kind of circle back in the different areas of IT, like you mentioned, like the help desk or the network. What are some of the more popular things that are happening right now in the job, or that you can take as classes in school? You can't really go to a school and say, "Hey, I want to just be a help desk person."、Mm-hmm. You have to pick a trade.、Um, usually, start out with a networking, learning computer, some sort of computer technology. How computer work, but a lot of times I think that the networking term is a very common and popular term in school. And when you talk about learning about networking, for example, they teach you every components that has to do with networking and how networking works. You know, you're talking about firewalls, switches, and internet and IP address and all that stuff. But then they also teach you how to build your own computer, understanding the computer hardware,、mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. So you start from one end and then you grow into a different end. And then you can see yourself where you want to branch off to, because you can be a specialist in terms of networking, where you troubleshooting the core issue of computer routing, networking, and firewalls and switches, configuring them, you know, and set them up with the right settings and stuff like that. And then help desk wise, you want to work with the end user more, where you're going to be able to support and troubleshoot their issues, working with their computer hardware issue, dealing with software issue. And then there's the management side of it, where you have to really think about, you know, you're not just going into work waiting for someone to have an issue to help them anymore. You wanted to do something more. You wanted to see how you can make your company better, your organization better, because you have to see that is that what that person doing is efficient or not? Because, for example, I give you the simplest example. If you have someone who has a meeting and they walk into a meeting room、mm. and they wanted to launch their meeting. And it takes them five to ten minutes to to get into that meeting. That is that is a problem that you need to solve. And then you think about what's the best way to go about solving that problem, because a person in theory should go into the meeting room, spend about thirty seconds to a minute, get online, connected into the meeting, and start that meeting right away. Gotcha. So there's different areas that you can focus on, but I think the most interesting for me is the processes, the procedure. Determining, you know, what's the best course of actions and the best software, the best hardware for an organization and stuff like that. I can definitely see the progression from getting good at the nitty gritty to the, even the high level of shaping not just the process but also the culture and what IT should be for the organization as a whole. Exactly. That sounds really fun, really exciting, and you know, just a quick question: If you were to go back in time, what kind of advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> well. I'll probably tell myself to play a little less games and less parties. 
I would want to start my IT career earlier than I've had. You know, that's pretty much it. I don't see any change, the necessary change that I have to make because, you know, if I make some changes, I might not be where I am today and I'm pretty happy where I am today. But definitely, you know, play a little less game, a little bit less parties and uh, try to think about your career um, as early as you can. That's a very good philosophical point, I would say. But if you didn't get into gaming in the first place, you wouldn't have built your first computer and then that wouldn't have led into IT. Yes. But that's why I say a little bit less games and less party. <laughs> Just a little bit less. Definitely. No, I, I hear you. And I could say the same for all of us, me included. So yeah, for those who want to know what Min is up to, how can they do that? Well, they can always hit me up at www.drloveforever.com. Just kidding. Uh, don't go there. That's not a real website, actually. Uh, I'm not sure if it's real or not. So just don't go there. I'm back in Manhattan finishing up my project for my new office project. So, you know, if you're my friend and have my contact, text me for some lunch. In general, if anybody has any questions, IT-related questions, just uh, try to get my contact through one of my friends, and then we'll talk. I tend to not... Uh, I'm extroverted, but also at the same time, I don't like to engage with strangers that much. Yeah, I think that's a fair policy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I definitely want to say thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for also sharing your experiences, your insight and knowledge with IT with us. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me, Mark. I hope you send me a new t-shirt soon because uh, your first t-shirt, I got it. I love it. So hopefully we get a second t-shirt. That's a good reminder. I'll, I'll send you the next Remarkable Mark t-shirt. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. I wish you luck and stay remarkable. Remarkable.